everyone stick around for a little bit if you can I've got some new equipment here this is a brand new mic and hopefully you can hear it a lot better I'm just testing it out and seeing how the episode begins so hopefully it comes across and you can hear things a lot better but there's a lot of things that have very very interested me and I've wondered a lot about a lot of shows have touched on this and this has been a common topic throughout popular culture and especially in media and television everywhere and I've just wondered where does it come from why do we have the obsession with it and what is it about that that, that creates the obsession why do we have this obsession and it's the apocalypse what what nuttiness what obsession do we have with the apocalypse why is it foremost in our brains and in our minds? And as you heard, it kind of gave you a little bit of a preference there or of a lead in there. As you heard at the beginning, there was uh, Imagine Dragons, Radioactive, and Green Days, Here Comes the Shock, as well as Murder City. And that kind of just struck me as some musical interludes that might be, might be pertinent, other than the obvious REMs, it's the end of the world as we know it. Which I didn't want to include that because I kind of thought that, you know, that would be kind of overdone. And maybe it wouldn't seem perfect enough. But I've wondered what the obsession with... I'm going to sneeze here, so I'm going to move the mic away from my nose and my mouth. Sorry to everyone, and the strength of the mic hopefully didn't pick that up, so I apologize to everyone. But I've wondered, and I'm knowing how I sneeze, I'm going to sneeze some more time. It's going to come a couple more times, so brace yourselves. But 
I've wondered, like, where does the obsession, where does that drive for it come from? Why has pop culture, and why has everyone been so interested in Into the Apocalypse, and why, why is it portrayed so well and so poorly in some cases? And why is it so interesting? And a lot of the things that when I write and when I create things that I focus on about the apocalypse and why I like it and why I like stories is I tend to focus on it deals with something that that being an extreme extrovert I have difficulty dealing with. I don't like to be alone. I don't like and sometimes just like you know introverts have extroverted qualities and extroverts have introverted qualities. Something we all share. But there, yes, there are times where I've got to, you know, wind down and be calm and be alone. There's times where that happens, and everybody has that. But I don't generally don't do very well or don't do well with being alone and loneliness. And it's just, it's just, it's tough and it's hard. And it got me to wonder what if you got up one morning, what if you woke up one day? And everything you knew and everything around you just didn't exist anymore. What if life just stopped? What if things just didn't exist anymore? And it deals with survival and how do you rely on yourself? And how do you rely on what's left of the world around you? And how do you, how can you cope? And stuff like that. And it just, it, being alone brings out who a person, can bring out who a person really is. And it's it, it's a great study to do, and it's also quite interesting to find out. And a lot of these studies have come into and dealt with wh- how, why is it, like I said, why is it so popular? Why is it so well known? Why? And it's just, it's very, very interesting to find out. And I have, you know, I have bad news. The world is going to end but I also have good news. Probably not anytime soon. And a lot of this is from my notes, and a lot of this is from a lot of this is from BBC and Wikipedia and other sources. But it's probably not gonna it's going to end. But just not anytime in our lifetimes or any of our descendants descendants' lifetimes. So it's gonna be quite quite a distance away and quite a ways away. It's only a very recent, very wrong, and arguably very willful misinterpretation of the ancient Mayan calendar. To, inc- to conclude, it ends on December twenty-first, twenty twelve, and that, and that even if their long, if even if their long count does stop, then there's no more reason to think it will Im- immediately lead to a planet-wide liquidation scale. Then. If your desk calendar reaches the end of the year before you've bought a new one. <laughs> well, as we all know from history, it didn't end. And there's no... And situations have been updated quite frequently to suggest that... Okay, maybe it's not this date, maybe it's a few more dates down the line. There have been countless suggestions to suggest and countless evidence to suggest... That it's not going to happen. That these predictions that people have made were wrong. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. Or anytime, anywhere soon. And even NASA, who ought to have plenty on their hands, 
looking for traces of life on Mars and other worlds, have weighed in to apply logically to the S-E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-I-C-A-L by publishing Beyond 2012, Why the World Won't End. There's no need to recap here on the details of their argument. Suffice it to say that after reading it, only the most hardcore conspiracy nut would still have worries about an upcoming end of everything. The more interesting question, at least for most of us, is why so many, so often, are drawn to, t- drawn to these tales of impending destruction. Why do we seem to want it to be the end of days and have the apocalypse now? Well, I don't think we want it to be the end of the days. I don't think that's that it, that's anyone's desire or anyone's like me. And I can speak from from one of those people who are very interested in it. I don't want the end of days. I don't want it to arrive at that point. I never want it to arrive at that point. I'm just curious as to how it would be handled if that point arrived. If it presented itself, how would we conduct ourselves? And it's interesting because the doom mongers are only around to probably be wrong about the world ending, because it didn't, on December 21st of 2012. Because they'd already been wrong about it ending in 2003 when the entirety, when the entirely fictional planet Nibiru was first supposed to collide with us and wrong about it ending on December 31st, 1999 simply because of an arbitrary change of date that wasn't even the end of the millennium and wrong about it ending on at least six other dates in the 1990s and also wrong about it ending at least two or three times every single decade until the, until at least the 1840s with evidence of scores of, of other more sporadic global false alarms stretching back to ancient Rome not that we're suggesting or I'm suggesting it's the same same spread betting catastrophicists backing all of those opinions Although there are some groups and people like the Bible student movement and the U.S. Christian broadcaster Harold Camping who have come up with multiple off-beam predictions. But collectively, it means that 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 at any given time, there is always a supposed terminal cataclysm just around the corner, causing distress and the gullible to be vulnerable. Just in case anyone is thinking anyone is thinking that won't be the case once we make it past 21 the 21st of December there are there are already apocalyptic predictions about various subsequent dates the favorite is the one best summed up in the London in London even standard headline the world will end in 2060 according to Isaac Newton now it's true that besides being one of the greatest scientific geniuses, Sir Isaac did did have some odd beliefs. 
but the world ending in 2060 isn't one of them. The prediction derives from a letter he wrote in 1704 to put a stop to the rash conjectures of fanciful men who are frequently predicting the time of the end. And even back then, this nonsense was clearly common. In it, Newton says he can't see any reason why the world would not end before 2060. It may be... It may end later, he says, but I see no reason for it ending sooner. And explicit... And explicit... Explicitity... And I can't even say this word, I'm sorry. And explicitly states, this, this I mention not to assert when the time of the end shall be. Despite being so clear, he's writing, he's writing on a not-for-profit basis. Type Newton End of the World into Google, and you get over 50 million hits. So I wouldn't suggest doing that. But that's what could happen. Why are we so determined to think our days are numbered, and so willing to bend facts to fit our delusions? For once, this is probably not the fault of movies and other fictions. Yes, from sci-fi to the Cold War, thrillers, thrillers to most James Bond outings, there are countless films and books in which humanity and or the world is nearly, partly, or completely obliterated, with potential sources of devastation ranging from interplanetary impacts to unstoppable pandemics. I know people are going, ah, lost my place, natural medical, natural mega disasters to unnatural alien invasions, global war to individual mad geniuses. There are almost endless endgame possibilities and lots of CGI fun to be had wreaking big screen havoc, including, of course, the Mayan calendar referencing 2012 with its deliriously daft line, the neutrinos have mutated. Daft meaning like in British terminology because that's what the article I was referring to. Daft meaning kind of like crazy or kind of distance. It doesn't make any kind of sense, kind of loony, so to speak. After seeing or reading such tall tales, does anyone watch the skies more carefully for hostile UFOs or in any way worry more that the end is nigh, the end is near? We doubt it. If anything, the best of them leave you feeling a bit more alive. My holy scientific theory and I, I, have, I have no more evidence for it than the Mayan worlds on fire lot do for their beliefs from the BBC article. Is this, is, is this stemming from our understandable difficulty grasping the walk on part we all have amid the sprawling enormity of deep time? It is not easy to get our hands around the Earth having existed for billions of years, probably existing for millions, if not billions more, and our own life in comparison, however long and fruitful, being an almost infinite, infinitesimally insignificant incident in the middle of it all. 
so fleeting and so far from either end of the story that many of us behave like individuals in black holes. Mentally warping time to write ourselves into the grand finale. A lot of time, a lot of time of what that article has said is that we fancy ourselves, we, we predict ourselves to be so important to the planet and evidence of what has happened to it that what is becoming of it and what we're doing to it signifies that we have a greater impact than we actually do. And like that article just refers, we, how we fit and we may be here, sorry, for not nearly as long and not nearly as importantly as the the grand scheme of how long and how old Earth is. Thank you all for sticking with me. It kind of, this kind of seems like it's jumbled up, so thank you all for sticking around. I'm doing my best in trying to bubble it down and trying to boil it down and trying to see if it makes any sense. The Reuters poll earlier this year found that nearly one in four Americans and one in seven worldwide believe the world will end during their lifetime. In the UK, the figure was less than 1 in 12. That's a lot of people who don't just think the world revolves around them. They think it stops around them too. And therein lies the problem. A lot of what people are assuming that the world will end, a lot of this apocalyptic belief could, could revolve around the fact that people think the world revolves, revolves around them their family, their group of friends, whatever. And it also, they like, like I just said, they also think it could stop around them. And that's... That's just... You, well, you know how you think when people say, I think the world revolves around me. You know that reaction there, and you know how, how you feel. So sooner or later... And our money is on much, much later... Those who are convinced of our imminent doom will, will inevitably be proved right. The planet can't last forever. Astronomers predict the planet only has around another 7.5 billion years until it is engulfed by the sun and humans will likely have disappeared much, much earlier. So, in the long, long meantime, if we, if we do only have the briefest cameo in a, in a seemingly inter, interminable epic shouldn't we make the most of it while we were on the stage think about that and if if we fit if we fit into the grand scheme of things if we fit into the planet as the way we supposedly do is thinking about the end of it gonna be all that beneficial in, and my argument would be no. We thinking about how it how it will end up and how we'll go out isn't really doing anyone any any favors. It's you know you're thinking about getting to that point and what that point might be like and how there's something that we can do now to prevent that. So you maybe that may be occurring to you. But why not focus on what's going on now? 
and what your life can be now. You won't be around to see the end of times. And like you just heard, the Earth probably has 7.5 or more billion, billion years left. You and your distant ancestors, ancestors, ancestors won't be here to even remotely see something resembling that. So... Why not enjoy the life you have now? Why not enjoy it as best as you can now? And I got a lot of interesting thoughts from this article about why millennials are obsessed with the apocalypse. And it's from Zara Stone. And it's from Forbes. And it's just, it's, it's very, very interesting. And, then, and it might be hard to believe from a generation that oozes optimism, but data does not lie. She'll start with Netflix, a company that has an an 81 million percent user base out of its 86.7 million users. They are the kings of data analysis, using algorithms not not just to predict hits, but to create them. Hence the, the insanely popular House of Cards. This means, or could mean, they deeply understand their audience and can design shows purely to appeal to them. Down to such minute details as hero hair color and job opportunities. And they're pretty open about, open about this as well. So when you realize that over the last few years, they've acquired a commission of a number of apocalypse-driven shows, including, including The 100, The Walking Dead, and between, well, you realize that some really do, or you think, that some really do wish the end was here, or the end was right around the corner. And I mean literally down the street and around the corner. It's likely their analytics help them to uncover that the end of the world is a hot topic for the millennial market. Their algorithm monkeys predicted that this generation wants doom, destruction, and black comedy. And they served it up to us with a side of nihilism. The cult accrued by their Black Mirror releases shows how... Well, accrued... Sorry, tongue-tied there. And the webpage is just jumping around here. So bear with me for a second. I'm going to try to force Google to reset itself so that I can go back to the article. And it's just out of nowhere. It's just the article just the page just jumped. And the article, the article I was referring to from my notes and going back to the article, um, it just it just jumped and it showed the the words that I was that I was referring to. It blew them up really big, so I couldn't follow them. So I'm trying to find. The cult accrued by their Black Mirror release shows how well they've targeted the modern feeling of disillusion and disenchantment with authority. The end of the world trend continues on other networks. Amazon recently greenlit Good Omens, an adaptation of Neil. It just jumped again. An adaptation of Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's novel, where Doomsday is scheduled for next Saturday. In the webpage keeps jumping. 
In the UK, the BBC's teamed up with Hulu and pr to produce Hard Sun, a pre-apocalyptic cop show set on looking at how, how to enforce the law when the end, unequivocally, again, is here. What's the, what's the point? A lot of argue. A lot of people argue. What's the point of justice in the face of Armageddon? Neil Cross, the show's producer and creator, said in a release, "How do you get up? How do you get up in the morning? How do you get out of bed and leave your family and go out there, putting your own life at risk?" A valuable, valuable question to try and answer. How do you? How, assuming that you all survive, you and your kids and your family, you all survive, how do you get up every morning and go out knowing, go out there into the world knowing that you might not make it, make it back? And what'll be, and understand, we all need law. What is the use of trying to create law and trying to fight law and law and order and stuff like that? What's the use of that if, if everything breaks apart? And there's this apocalyptic, apocalyptic theory of entropy. And everything breaks down. So I understand all that. But you've got to have order. You've got to have somewhere. You've got to have someone who brings or keeps people together. And there was a great, I forget who said it. But there was a great leader who once said, in the face of, in the face of disorganization, in the face of confusion people will believe any idiot who steps up to the mic and that has been evidence throughout the course of history and it's it's it's, it's very interesting to and it's not that they I don't know so much if it's that they'll believe any idiot who steps to the mic it's just they want direction they want to be guided and they want to be directed by someone and the first person who has the wherewithal and the ability to stand up and speak and get out in front and speak like that, they'll believe that person. They'll support the person. They'll get behind that person. So maybe it's a little bit of that. And maybe it's a little bit of thought about, about that. But overall, there's a noticeable glut, a noticeable glut of post-apocalyptic TV. 3%. Oh, this, this is, and this is a comedy. This is a good one. The Last Man on Earth. That was Will Forte and um, Kristen Schaal and J uh, January Jones and a couple of other um, names I'm blanking on right now. And I apologize both to those actors and to everyone who liked the show as I did. There's also Jericho, which provides smackable, which provides snackable, smackable. Well, for those who didn't like the shows, which provides snackable... Survivor shows intertwining fantasy and voyeurism. Their draw is straightforward, presenting a futuristic potent, a futuristic potentiality, a futuristic potentially dystopian society that's reshaping itself in the wake of disaster, man-made or not. But pre-apocalyptic television shows are a rising genre, and that's steadily growing, grown over the last couple of years and can be somewhat attributed to the current tension in political culture or any tension in political culture. Many millennials have trouble imagining a future where there aren't enough to buy a house, raise a family, and even travel 
without sanctions, hence programming that tells them that this is the norm. By allowing them to think, the lack of a future is acceptable. Take NBC's broadcast of You, Me, and the Apocalypse, a 10-part series which aired in the, in the U.S. in January of 2016. Five million people tuned in for the first episode, and the show has an 88% Rotten Tomatoes audience rating. The plot revolves around an asteroid headed to Earth, unavoidably, and how the population of Earth are handling their imminent demise. Some rioted, some said goodbyes, and some special snowflakes were, ca were carted off by the government and placed in secret bunkers. The action was tumultuous, fast, emotional, and darkly humorous. When the end is, is here, it's time to seriously evaluate what you've done with your life. In the age of the, and I'm not even going to say his name, but and that's about all I'll say, politically or otherwise, in the age of the guy who was last in the Oval Office, the impossible is no longer science fiction, and black humor and thoughts about why not instead of why are all-consuming. Other shows in the pre-apocalyptic scope include No Tomorrow, which started airing on the CW in October of 2016, also known as the TV's the TV first rom-com about the end of the world. Here, Evie, the blonde neurotic supermar supermarket manager's falls for Xavier, a wild man-child who ripped at, with ripped abs <laughs> and enthusiasm for life. There's one problem. His carefree do-it-all attitude is based on his calculations that the, that the Earth has six months before an asteroid implodes, so it's, no, so it's time to do everything on his apocalypse. Evie not sold on his on his future doomsday prophecy which means relationship problems the show produced by Corinne Noel Brinkerhoff who takes a who takes a nuanced a nuanced but comedic take on what people do when they think they've run out of time that's the question when they think they've run out of time and the question for everyone is what would you do when either one is proven and you know that you've run out of time or you think you've run out of time what would you do and how would you behave and how would you handle that what would you do and like like a magic dragon said what would you do because this is it this is the apocalypse and it's just it's this whole thing is extremely interesting at the end like I said before in the beginning at the end, how do we behave? And what do we do when we only have a certain amount of time left? Well, how, do, how do we act and how do we behave? And another thing is, how do we act and how do we behave when we think we only have that time left? And the, that's the thing I think people are focusing on, that people shouldn't focus, shouldn't focus on as much as they do, is the word think. 
you think you have as much time. You don't know for sure. You haven't seen 100% evidence for sure, but you think you have as much time. So how do you treat it? How do you act and how do you behave? And it's very, very, it's, it's very extremely interesting. And thank you all for sticking around with me, how I've run through all those notes and all through those websites and articles and babbled on as much as I have. So thank you all for sticking with me. Uh, stick around for a little bit more on the end here. And if you'd like to, please feel free to go on to Facebook and join the podcast Facebook community. Uh, the Unc D Fiasco, UNC, the first three letters of Uncle, and D, my first initial, the Unc D Fiasco on Facebook.com and join our community to see updates and see bonuses from the episodes, all sorts of cool things that I have done and things affiliated with the podcast that we've connected. There was a live stream that I did from Vegas a couple days ago. So you can check that out on the community page. And just a lot of cool extra stuff. So thank you all so much for hanging around with me. Stick around for a little bit more on the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to go to the coolest place in Las Vegas? Stay at the best hotel casino where you're treated like family, friends, and you feel like you belong. It's very comfortable. And you even get to meet the CEO who greets everyone. Go to the plaza. Stay at the plaza. Take my advice. You'll love it there. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.